Hello and welcome to Flamenco Attitude, the weekly podcast that brings you all things flamenco. And my goodness, isn't it incredible that it's 2022 and we are still here, still doing podcasts. It all started with a little idea, but we had a great, great year in 2021 in terms of the podcast. And we covered a lot of topics. Just recently, just before the holidays, obviously we had a special on Flamenco Christmas. We also talked about Flamenco art. And we even covered Archive Flamenco, which is films in between cinema fiction and documentaries. If you're interested, you can go back and listen to our episodes that cover specific artists' lives, such as Paco de Lucia's. And also we have reviewed books and albums as well. So a lot of choice for you if you're new to the podcast. Hello, welcome and thank you. And our first Thank you and shout out for the year goes out to the listeners in Romania and Iraq. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. We do this with a lot of passion and hope it shows. And moving forward, we will have even more amazing content coming up. So thank you and stay tuned. Speaking of Iraq, towards the end of the episode, we're going to share a little bit of a letter that we received from a gentleman who lives in Iraq. And we're going to answer a little bit of the questions that he poses and obviously read some of his comments as well. But let's kick off the new year and how topical it is that we're starting the first episode of the year talking about key dates in flamenco history. Now, flamenco has a very rich history, dating back from probably even the Middle Ages, uh, going to... The well, well, it was certainly the 17th century. Certainly the 17th century, and obviously continuing on in the present day in different ways. We have seven dates, key dates, to cover for yeah, you. you. You set me a very hard task. I, I sent you a hard, I set you a hard task. We're going to go through that as well. <laughs> and... We hope that you enjoy the music that we're going to put in them. Uh, Obviously, some very prominent artists will be featured too. But of course, today we're going to cover topics from very back in the day to obviously the modern time. Some golden keys to be covered, some key albums and um, tracks that were revealed. And a very important recognition for the flamenco culture. Yeah. This is the episode on key dates in flamenco history. I'm sure somebody will write in and say we missed a very important date. We are probably going to miss a lot of dates, but these are your highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You set me a very difficult task because... Yeah. Uh, uh, that's what I like doing. I, I had to think, Listen, what are the big dates in flamenco First history? of all, Happy New Year to you. Happy 2022. Happy to, yeah. Expect even more difficult things from me in 2022. Even more difficult tasks. Okay, I'm up for it. I hope so. I Listen, for this year, before we start, for this year, I have ideas and I'm sure you'll have ideas that will be different, will be literally picking up from where we left last year and upgrading in terms of quality, in terms of topics. Shall we do it? I'm up for it. Go for it. Let's start with, um, uh, that's actually a very nice fact and I didn't know it. We're going to start in the 19th century yeah. with... Llave de Oro, yeah. but you're going to explain what that is. La Llave de Oro. Well, it's a sort of mythical key that singers hold in their hand when they're painted, or and it, it's, it shows that they've been charged with looking after the purity of the cante. In other words, 
This is something that only applies to the singers because that's the most important thing in flamenco. So if you given the yabi di oro, you, it's for you to look after how pure it can be. Yeah, it's your job, and people sit very proudly with the key in their hand when they're painting. Now that key is actually exists as material. I don't think it does actually. No, no. no. That's that's one of the interesting things about it. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to travel back to the 19th century. Yeah. 1862. Take me back. I'm sure you were there. <laughs> no, well, imagine you've got the Café Cantantes, these little flamenco yeah. dives. Yeah. yeah. And some aficionados in, in the back room decide that we need an honour in flamenco. Yeah, we do. We need an honour. We can award something. And they meet in a committee and they decide that they're going to give it to a particular singer. And he'll be the first person ever to have this. And his name was Tomas El Nitri. He came from Cadiz. He was a gypsy. And they decided he would be the right person to receive this. So we're talking about people like in a pub, in the back room yeah. of a pub. And it just happened. And it just happened. And it started this thing where uh, this would become an important thing. So if, if you research this and people want to look, you'll see a lovely painting and drawing of him in the his armchair massive sideburns oh. whiskers yeah cigar as, uh, as you should well, yeah yeah Typical. and a very nice gold watch oh. and of course holding the, the key. key now you asked me does the key actually exist <laughs> is it like a town's key? Like it's when like, you it's give like, somebody the no, key to no, the I'll town. tell you what it looks like. You know that you get these, when you go to Andalusia, you see these uh, wooden doors. They're enormous, right? And you think, oh, the key that must fit in, in that. You it's see the lock. It must be humongous. It's one of those. Goodness. Yeah. And so that was the start of. And then, of course, what happens is, as time goes on from this important date, many of the great singers... Uh, get awarded of it, like uh, Vallejo from Sevilla, Antonio Mairena. And is that a yearly thing? No, 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 no. It can happen. It could At be any point. Uh, and then we get the most, uh, we get the, the question of Camarón never getting it, and then the people saying he must be awarded it, even though he's no longer with us. Posthumously. Yeah, yeah. And so it's... Uh, you'll, you'll see posters and you'll see people proudly with the key, but I'm not sure if we've actually got a key. No. <laughs> it's It doesn't exist as such. And can you... Can people in different places in Andalusia or around the world get it at the same time or anything? No, no, only one person can hold it. For how long? Well, till they go. Till they go, and then the honor is to be passed then it, to somebody then it, else. Then they have to. Now it's in the in the hands of the Andalusian government that decides this type of thing. And so it's passed. It's weird in a way. It's it's passed from being a thing that a few men in the back room of a pub decided to a situation where it's an official recognition of, yeah? And all the greats have held this in their time. Incredible, incredible. Moving on to almost 100 years later. Yeah. The very first Flamenco Festival. Yeah, and of course we... Have we talked about this? Well, we've not. mentioned it briefly, but... The flamenco festivals, um, you know, they've become a big thing. It became very big in the 80s. But you've got to go back to 1957 when 
the concept of a flamenco festival, El Potaj de Utrera. So in Utrera, in Seville province, they decide to hold a festival to raise money for a charity. And the idea is that all the flamenco is free, but you pay a little, you get you you donate a little bit of money for your potaji, which is a stew. Mm. Yeah, and that, that was a wonderful thing, and it's started all the other big festivals, the Gaspacho in, in yeah. Morong. And do we know what sort of charity they were looking? It was they, these were charities for the gypsy people and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. How topical, actually, of the day, because with everything that's happening in the world, we have seen plenty of concerts, plenty of festivals, plenty of online. Yeah events that raise money yeah so this is how it started so what was what have you watched any footage of it or does it exist what, what did it look like? oh yeah there is footage of it yeah it, it, it's amazing and obviously the, the great artists came there like Antonio Mairena that kind of people uh, came to it uh, and then it spawned the, the, the other ones started up the Gaspacho that we just talked about the Caracolar it, 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 where they where they serve the snails in Lebrica, yeah. and so you, then you got this triangle, the golden triangle of, of the of these festivals. Which, and that's in the little village of Utrera. Yeah, uh, yeah, this one was in Utrera, and then the the next one was in Morong, and then the one in Lebrica. Yeah, and they become kind of emblematic of flamenco culture, and then of course as time goes on, as we move into the the seventies. Uh, every mayor of all the, the flamenco towns on. wants to put on a flamenco festival, yeah, and sees what his budget can do, what, who who he might be able to uh, to get. Yeah. yeah. In terms of styles, what do you think the music was focusing on? Probably a buleria. Buleria and solia, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Both of those, yeah. especially on that one. Because I suppose nowadays, when you go to a, a flamenco festival, you'll have a little bit of everything. Y- yes, um, that's changed a lot because these would have been what you like to call hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a festival, but not exactly for yeah. dancing and <laughs> no, having fun. No. It's more, a, it's a cultural experience. Yeah, yeah. So that was the, you know, the birth. I think 57 was a, a very important year that changed the history of flamenco, the idea, because obviously we talked in previous episodes that flamenco was a private art originally, just done by people in fields and in forges, and then it's moved out into the the 19th century cafes, and then you've got this thing coming in, festivals. Completely original. Well, you've got to pay a thousand percent to get in or something. I think we can manage. But you will get something to eat. What do you think they got to to eat? Well, it, the potaji is is a, like a stew. Obviously, the gazpacho is you get gazpacho, yeah. and in the caracola, uh, you'll get a nice uh, a nice bowl of snails. I know which one I wouldn't <laughs> attend for obvious <laughs> reasons. I mean, I can handle the gazpacho. I probably can yeah, handle the potaji, yeah. even though the potaji probably has meat in it. Yes, it does, yeah. and and they're served in the interval, normally. So you get a little bit of... Yeah. Moving on to... um, We're skipping the 60s, funnily enough. We're moving on to the 70s. Yeah, I mean... Well, I mean, there's no particular date, I think, that we could say in the the 60s. Obviously, a lot of the great films were made in that Mm. period. But I can't think 
Um, let's hope somebody will write in and say I've missed a very important date in the 60s. You like that. You like yeah. when you're challenged. <laughs> but 73, another key moment happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't underestimate uh, Paco de Lucia, his contribution to flamenco. And for whatever reason, he decides to create a rumba in Tritos Agua. This is universal. You'll hear people playing this in the streets of Germany, the, Italy, anywhere you go, people, guitarists. So he invents this rumba. And, I mean, the rumba was very much associated with the gypsy people in, in Barcelona and all like that. But he, he brings it into this modern way of doing it with a lot of beautiful notes, Picado with his wonderful way of techniques. And everybody goes mad on this. Now, I've even got up in my room uh, the single... Every single well, copy. Well, you said single, that's the right word. I've got the single that I bought uh, the following year in 74 for my mother. You know, um, it was amazing. It's an amazing record, you know. We all love it. Everyone plays it. And you, you see people's faces change as soon as you start going for those chords and doing some of those notes. People love it. And... It made him a worldwide, odd, you know, kind of artist, uh, and of course it was taken off this 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 uh, album Fuente Galal, you know. So it was one track, you know. When people made records in those days, the, the hardcore flamenco ones, even now, you always put the first track. Little commercial, a little light. A little light, <laughs> and we've it, we've talked more in extent. Um, in the episode dedicated to Paco de Lucia yeah. about it, um, I suppose it's important to say that without Enter Dos Aguas, Flamenco probably wouldn't be on the world scene as it is. No. Would you agree? I think it turned it into the most recognisable world music, beyond doubt. It put it on the level of, of the sitar of India, that most people, as soon as they hear that, they know they're listening to Flamenco. And so it was. A, it was a massive thing, um, you know. I mean, I go to Andalusia, as you know, two or three times a year, and small boys are still playing this all the time. You know, it's seen as a thing to try and learn to, to play exactly how Paco made, made this in seventy three. Is it easy to learn? It's well, it, well, the chords might be easy to learn, and maybe the rhythm, but to do the actual notes. That is not easy, no. <laughs> Three years later, yeah. Paco de Lucia is still quite active yeah. because he, yeah. another milestone for flamenco is invented yeah, by him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to use your terminology, he smashed it. <laughs> are you becoming... <laughs> what is happening? Who are you? 2022, <laughs> there's a new Marcos. <laughs> smashed. Because he, he brings out a record that every flamenco artist, guitarist thinks... What on earth is happening here? Why was this... Because you're going to talk about Almoraim. Yeah. Why was this more shocking than Enter Dos Aguas? In terms well, because people used to know how the, the Buleria went and other things. And then they suddenly hear this and think, well, hang on, what's happening here? How has he changed the way it goes? And he's brought in an oud 
He's brought in other types of sounds. He's brought in, this is a concept album. It's just completely mind blowing. You've got to realize, you know, that everybody plays at a certain level. This comes out in the shops, you go and buy it. And then you think, shall I give up? Mm. Or should I try to learn what he's actually doing here? Yeah. Was, wasn't it the initial reaction not so good? Or am I confusing no, it? No, I think you're thinking of the Camarong yeah. records. Yeah, yeah. But th this one, um, no, I think the, the reaction was very good and it was distributed throughout the world because, of course, it, it, it's got a little bit of singing on, but mainly it's a solo album, so most people are comfortable with it. It's, it's just mind-blowing. Uh, it's never been surpassed really I mean there's wonderful guitarists out there making incredible records but I'm afraid they're never going to match 1976 yeah and I think Paco knew that when he when he completed it do you think it took him a long time to in a way yeah. craft it yeah yeah it's a beautiful record so from Paco to another innovator, yeah. Or shall we? But is it fair to call Cameron an innovator, or is it fair to say he continued the tradition? But I'm not sure whether he tried anything as new as Paco did. What, no, what no, is no, your no, assessment? No, no, you're right there, and but I think he he was both. But you are right to say that because people. You say, oh, you know, he's, he's doing all this modern flamenco and everything. But he never really did this modern flamenco. He, he stuck to traditional music all the time. Happy New Year to your black catalog. Uh, oh, uh, he, over he, he always comes in just as we're getting to the crucial part. Of course. Uh, no, I mean, Camarón made some remarkable records. Obviously, La Lienda del Tiempo and all of that. But he was a very, very traditional artist. So I think you're right in some ways in both things that you said. Mm. Well, this is my assessment. Obviously, I could be wrong. Yeah. I think Lolo agrees with me because he's <laughs> jumped on the chair where I am. And so you're talking about uh, Castillo de Arena. Yeah. That's not something I've heard you talk about before. No, and this is why I wanted to talk about it today because what you're talking about is a, a record that is very, very different to everything that had come before. Cameron was very comfortable with this record. It's got some fantastic tracks on it. Uh, you know, the Wurreria on it is unbelievable, the tangos, everything. And I think the important thing also is we're, we were moving into an era where the cover is very was very important. Very, the, the, no, no more of this, just the singer in front. No, no more of that. No. We're having a proper art. Because yeah. um, he's seen his drinking... From a from a ceramic yeah cup. dish yeah yeah I know arena means sand yeah. and I'm just gonna go on a wimp and say that Castillo probably means a little castle or yeah but it's like the Jimi Hendrix castles Castle of sand, of sand. Um, yeah castles I, of sand yeah and it was a wonderful record um, I still return to it every day and I would rate it as one one of the best records he ever made and he was very proud of that record whoever is listening on Spotify. Hopefully we can hear a little bit of this oh, now. Oh, definitely, you can get one of those. Yeah, and you know, um, we've got to say, I know we're sticking in the 70s here a bit, but this is what, the 70s really, the, the, the late 70s changed flamenco forever. There's no doubt about that. You're skipping a whole decade. Yeah. The 80s. Again, if somebody would like 
to bring up a notable date. I'm certainly open to it. Look, I still to this day would claim that I know next to nothing about flamenco. For me, it's just interesting to ask the questions and find out. But we are heading to a sad date. Sad date, in a way. Yeah. 2nd of July, 1992. Yeah. And you have to tell me, when, when, when we talk about it, yeah. we, you have to tell me where were you. Yeah. Because people remember these things. Yeah, well, I knew, I knew he was ill. I, I'd seen him um, the previous year in, in Sevilla. And I was playing a concert in England in, in Stourhead at an amazing property and I got the call and uh, uh, the BBC said to me, well, can you put together uh, a programme about his life and everything? And so I was ringing my mother, so you've got to go upstairs to my record collection. Just to clarify, we're yeah. talking about the passing of Cameron. Cameron. We're talking about the biggest artist ever in flamenco in 300 years. So it's not just Cameron. And um, it was very emotional for me because I, you know, where do you start? So I was, I couldn't immediately leave doing the concerts I was doing. But you were probably in a bad yeah. place. And then... Of course, we got the newspapers, we saw the footage, because you're talking about one of the biggest funerals that's ever been held uh, in the history of Spain. You know, uh, you're talking about in La Isla, where he came from, San Fernando, you know, 100,000 people. Was it in a way expected? It was expected, but maybe not then. And, um, you know... Middle of summer. One one of the peop one of the things that Spanish people say is that they always remember uh, when somebody rang them to say, "Did you know Cameron has died?" And even the cat is upset about it. <laughs> you can hear it actually. You can hear he's a bit upset. We're talking about it. So yeah, it was a terrible time, and uh, you know, as you know, I've written a book about all of this and. Uh, yeah. Did his funeral take place like, towards the end of July, or? Yeah, yeah. It was flown from Badalona in Catalonia down to the south, and it was a it was a big, <coughs> it was a big deal. You know, probably one of the, the biggest deals there's been. It was on all the television, everything. In, um, it's a massive, massive thing, because he is, you know, we talk about him a lot, but he is the greatest artist. That, Flamenco has ever had. Yeah. Nobody's ever recorded uh, every type of flamenco, every style. Nobody's ever made the records that he's made with Paco de Lucia, Tom, you know, Tomati. Uh, you know, it's a career that can never be copied because we live in a different age. You know, so we'll never have another Cameron. I would always say. I actually say it not only when we talk about flamenco yeah. and not even when we talk about music. I always say the 70s were uh, an interesting time for yeah. art, a little bit on the dark side, probably carrying on from the 60s. Yeah. But I feel art had um, a soul to it that, well, that, I, that never yes, came. I agree. Well, I'm going to shock you now. I'm going to... I'm handing you here a watch. The golden watch the golden of Cameron. Watch of the <laughs> it is beautiful. It is very beautiful. Now, I don't think you'll find a watch of another artist. Don't challenge me. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you can, but obviously it's very special for you. So I'm happy you have it. 
So go, there is a, a little bit of a quote, I think, inside. Yeah. La puerza no se puede perder nunca cuando una la llave dentro la verdad. Ole. I probably didn't read it correctly. <laughs> no, 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 My Spanish that, is limited. That, that, that was good. That My was Spanish good. is limited. That was good. Why does it make you so emotional? Well, I mean, you know, when you see him and you think... But that's someone you didn't know personally. I didn't know him personally, no. no. But then I think it, it, you could say everybody knows him personally because he communicated to people in a special way. Yeah. So all the artists I know, many of them have never met him, but they play all of his things and they have all of his records. And if you're learning flamenco and you want to be a, a top artist, then you've got to get on top of what he did. Yeah. Well, let's honor him with, uh, uh, and I want you to recommend song that we haven't played before because we have. Uh, I, I would say we have played a lot of Paco's Entre dos Agos. We've played Almoraima, yeah. but I'm going to put them again for Spotify. Recommend me something of Cameroon that we haven't recommended yet. Well, well I think you should play the the title track from from Castillo de Arena. We're going to play it obviously before yeah. that, but if we have to play another one, what do you think? Hmm. Well, there's a wonderful tangos on that album. The name of it escapes me for the moment, but if you choose the tangos from that, you'll really like we'll that. We'll try to yeah, find yeah. it. Brilliant. And let's end uh, the years on a high note. Um, 2010, which is quite recent, 16th of November. An interesting date because it a huge honour, a huge honour to Flamenco was yeah. paid. Yeah. And I think UNESCO realised that Flamenco is more than a music. So they called it, you know, patrimonial, cultural, immaterial de la humanidad. Mm. Because it exists in a way that other musics don't. It's far more than a music that was created when the gypsy people left India and came a thousand years to Andalusia and created what we now call flamenco. It's a very special music. And and it was finally recognised as that. How did it happen, though? Did, did, well, did anybody have to submit anything? Yeah, yeah. There was pressure for, for this all the time for, for, for a long, many, many years. And eventually they said, you know, and it, it's, it's had a big effect, actually, in Spain in a, in a, in a way and worldwide that it's, it's not just a music, it's something very, very important that we can't really control or understand. It's beyond music, yeah? It's beyond music, it's yeah. beyond lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, how was it marked, obviously, in the flamenco community? Oh, it's been, there's been loads of special concerts, and, and I mean, it's marked every, every year, all the time with, with, yeah. with concerts. And I think it's given, the most important thing is, it's given flamenco the dignity it deserves. Oh, I see that you are getting really emotional about it. Okay, recommend a song, a uplifting song from an artist that we haven't featured just yet, that we can kind of show the, you know, this is flamenco, and okay. it's purest. Well, I think our favourite, I'm not sure if we played this before, um, is um, Rancapino. Do you remember when we played the Rancapino all the time? Yes, but we've played Rancapino tracks all the time. What, sure in the kind of weather? Have we played that? I think so. Oh. 
I'll let you off. It's the new year. I think I'll let you off. I'll play that for anyone on Spotify. Well, you can't get more uplifting than that, can you? Let's I mean, play. listen, even when I play this to you, you get very excited about I it. I too. And um, as promised, and, uh, you read this letter we received. We were very happy about this. And thank you to a gentleman called Durade, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Durade is what I received. He sent us a very long letter. Remember you were saying yeah, it yeah, must have I, taken hours. It, 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 I mean, some work went into some writing Some work it. went into it. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to read parts of it. And thank you for your questions and comments. I'm going to address some of them and address uh, Marcus could as well. But in essence, he starts by saying thank you to the podcast. Um, he's uh, somebody living or was living uh, in Baghdad. Um, and for him, it was difficult to find uh, a podcast or, or any kind of media documentation of flamenco um, for a non-Spanish audience. And this is something we were very proud of doing, actually, because um, I have researched. There are some podcasts on flamenco. I think we should listen to them at some point. It will be interesting to hear how they cover topics. Or, or we may have to get our game up then. Uh, I think we should always try to get our game up. Uh, one of them, the name escapes me, but I, I have it on my list. It's a, it's a flamenco yeah. podcast, so I'm going to uh, have a look into it. And I'm not a Spanish speaker, so it will be difficult, but maybe you can help me out. Yeah, but we're doing this for an English audi- we're, speaking audience. We're doing, audience, we're doing it... Because I can only speak English, that's no, why we're doing it. No, we're, we're, we're <laughs> making this for an English-speaking audience. Okay, or anyone who would like to yeah. try. Um, he thanks us for um, all the artists that we introduced people to, like uh, Rafael Riqueni, yeah. Ranka Pino, who we, we heard a little bit yeah. from. And he says, Marcos, it's a privilege to listen to someone like you who dedicated a great deal of his life to uh, the art so i would like to dedicate a beautiful piece and he um links a beautiful piece of i believe buleria um on youtube that's Uh, fantastic beautiful piece to learn firsthand from its sources and is also proficient in conveying this knowledge in english to a non-spanish audience and i love how you say buleria is what he says (laughs) um so a few suggestions from him that I actually about one of them I've really been thinking to uh, offer to you as a topic. But first of them, he says the dark side of flamenco, how gypsies suffered, how yeah, yeah. Um, they're misunderstood in many yeah, ways in yeah. their lifestyle yeah. as well. So perhaps we can yeah, we um, can look at that. Yeah. We can look into that. And another one that I've been thinking about actually, and thank you for you know uh, thinking, echoing my thoughts around the same lines: flamenco in other countries, yeah. flamenco traveling around the world because it's an international art worldwide appeal however we are concentrating yeah, yeah. mostly on yeah. the origins yeah, yeah, where yeah. it is well a good place to start is what goes on in, in california and places like that there's lots of flamenco artists there yeah yeah we do have some listeners from there so if you're listening um yeah he still remembers uh paco de lucia in the 80s in moscow in the 80s yeah. there you go uh, a concert that people still talk about of course whoever's been there and he gives a mention and thank you so much because i personally wasn't aware of these artists guitarists from there like grisha goriachev and dimitri mamontov 
yeah. Russian artists, obviously. Um, very accomplished artists in other parts of the world, like Kan Wang in China, Luciano Gosh in Lebanon, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Mariano Martin, he thinks probably France. Yeah, yeah brilliant stuff there i think we should yeah, yeah. think well, about I, i've it. got uh, quite a big collection upstairs of, of of these types of people who've made albums there you go dust it off <laughs> dust it off and finally something a bit on the technical side which i will answer to he says i have a small suggestion maybe it's better to replace the introduction music with something flamenco now this is for anyone who listens to us on spotify the way podcasting works on Spotify is if I would like to do a little bit of introduction with music and at the end as well, I can only choose by generic pieces of music that are provided by the platform that we use. I personally have thought even before we started the recordings of the podcast, how to bring in flamenco music at the background. However, there are some issues uh, or the things that can be tweaked with the, um, how do we call it, the claims, the yeah, musical, right. the, the rights to the music. So watch that space. I am working on it. But it, if, when we started the podcast, if we were to think about every single complication that would happen, we would have never started. Thank you for addressing it, obviously, Duraid. I am going to look into it. But this is the reason why I have tried to choose pieces of music as close sounding to guitar and flamenco as possible. Obviously, if I am given the rights by the platform to do it with an actual flamenco track at the back, I will. 110% I'm committed. Once again, thanks for the letter. For anyone else that would like to write us a letter, culturepodcasts at gmail.com and um, on Twitter, we're at flamencopod. Um, we're going to up the game with that as well uh, in the new year. We've been testing the waters and the response is good, so we can always do more. Um, before I let you go, Marcos, um, what kind of year do you think 2022 will be for flamenco? Your kind of visions, views of it. Well, some artists are, are managing to, to do things that we, we just don't know because of the corona Mm. It, it could affect the festivals again. We pray not. We pray not. We pray not um, because it's been it's been a very difficult year for flamenco artists. Um, as you know, we put on our own festival here in Oxford, and we haven't been able to do it for the last two years. Uh, and this is a situation that everybody's facing. Uh, people originally started doing their own kind of thing, you know, on the web on Zoom, but I think people want live flamenco, you know, you can't, flamenco doesn't really do so well when it's done on on Zoom. And I was going like to that, ask you, know? you that, do yeah. you think we'll see more online performances? Well, you probably will, but let's, you know, we want to see the flamenco back in the Pueblo, in the villages. I know, but in the meantime, do you think it's better to maintain it rather than just completely oh, yeah, ditch yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, you have to keep it going, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So your prediction is probably a difficult year still ahead, uh, but I there mean, is some, some hope, I suppose, with the vaccines and everything that's being offered. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I think we will see more uh, flamenco festivals in the, in the summer. Yeah. You're remaining positive. Yes. That's a first for you. You're a completely changed man in 2022. Yes. I want to go to them. <laughs> 
thank you very much for joining us uh, on our first for the 2022 episode of Flamenco Attitude. We discussed the most important key years, or at least some of them, in the flamenco culture throughout the decades, even the centuries going back. I would like to say once again, thank you so much for anyone who is joining us now or who's listened to the podcast since the beginning or any point in 2021. And thank you for the listener letter that we received. Greatly appreciate any thoughts, any thoughts that come our way. Until the next time, whether you listen to, play or learn about flamenco, remember to always follow the beat.